If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 23. Numbers, chapter 23, and It's one of those mornings where everything is not going to plan. Um, The Lord kept asking me to do something today that I wasn't planning to do, and I couldn't shake that thought. And and then this morning, as Jasmine opened up with 1 Corinthians, I read that in my devotions just this last week about What you do for the Lord is not in vain. And you know, God is unique and he speaks to each one of us differently. And and he asks us to do things that are different from everyone else. And and it's not that, that God is trying to make it difficult, but he wants us just to be people who obey, people who trust him, people who believe him. And as I read that this week in my devotions and as Jasmine read it this morning, I just began to think about what I also read about in my devotions about the story of Balaam and how Balaam was asked by the king Balak to go and put a curse on Israel. And Balak was afraid because the Israelites parked camp right outside of their city and and, um, and God commanded them not to attack the people. I mean, they weren't on the enemy's list. But Balak was so afraid because he heard the stories of their success. And, and he sees the vastness of God's people. And for his, from his perspective, he sees nothing but fear and worry about what is possible. What could happen if Israel decided to turn their attention towards them and to overthrow them? And so Balak is afraid, and so he goes out and he finds this prophet Balaam, who, who isn't really a good guy. I mean, Balaam, you know, is just, he's, he's not a good guy. Even though he's this prophet. And so Balak sends some people to him and says hey would you would you come and put a curse on these people and Balaam says listen I can only speak what the Lord says I can only tell you what God puts on my heart so I can't do it okay and they go back and they tell King Balak hey Balaam's not coming because we asked him but he says he can't do it and Balak says don't listen go back This time I want all of my best people. I want all of the best treasures. I want all of the good things. And I want you to show Balaam to be overwhelmed with the blessing that he will receive if he just does what I ask and will do what I ask. And and, and if you would just show him what the potential is. So they go back. And Balaam just looks at this stuff and says, whoa. This has to be a sign. You know, it has to be a sign. But Balaam puts on the pious prophet face. I cannot say anything 
unless the Lord tells me. I can only speak what God tells me, but let me go and pray and find out. <laughs> you know, God, please, 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 God, please. And God says, go with them, but only speak what I'm going to say. Because why would God say that? Because God knew that Balaam wanted to go. You know, God is so awesome that he never stops us from doing what we really want. He's so caring and loving and committed to his word that he allows choice to happen. He gives us choice. Just like when you think about Adam and Eve in the garden and, and they have all this beautiful stuff. He could have he said, listen, I command you and I prohibit you to not eat this tree and I'm even going to put a fence and a gate around it. He didn't do that. He says, don't eat from this tree and he gave him choice. And that choice would result in the fall of mankind and, and the result would be a savior that would come. His name is Jesus. So Balaam wanted in his heart to go to, to go and do whatever Balak said. Do whatever, because, because I will be rewarded, richly rewarded. Look at all this stuff. Look at, they sent the best. They sent the president. They sent the governor. They sent everybody to have me come. God, why wouldn't this be? And God says, go with them, but I want you to speak what I speak. Well, on the way, God sends his angel, and he's going to destroy Balaam. But the thing is, Balaam can't see it, but the donkey can. And the donkey sees this, you know, this ninja or a Jedi with a lightsaber. You know, that's my son, Jedi, and lightsabers. He, man, he's got these lightsabers. They do all this crazy stuff. And I, that's one of the things I miss the most about not having my son in the house is waking up every day to the cup of coffee, the Bible, and a lightsaber going. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tony's up. <laughs> Tony's up. But Balaam wants to go and, and God still doesn't want this to happen. So he sends his angel to destroy Balaam. But the donkey sees it and so he starts to go a different direction and Balaam's mad. You know, I paid 70 shekels for you and you stupid animal, you just can't do it. He just beats him and finally goes down to this alley and right at the end of it, man, is, is the angel and he's there waiting to stop Balaam. And finally, the donkey just starts to go off to the side because he's like, man, you know, I, don't, I like Balaam, but he ain't worth it. And, and he has to go off and, and starts crushing Balaam's leg and finally gets off and starts beating it. The donkey looks at him. The original Mr. Ed looks at Balaam and says, <laughs> daughters, Mr. Ed. It's a TV show, the horse that could talk. The donkey looks at Balaam. He says, what are you doing, man? I'm trying to save your life. And Balaam is so upset, he didn't even see this angel that was there, but the donkey did. So Balaam realizes that he better say what God says because his life is in jeopardy. And so he goes, and, and this is where we come to chapter 23 in the book of Numbers. Balaam said, build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. And Balak did as Balaam said, and the two of them offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, stay here beside your offerings while I go aside. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me and whatever he reveals to me, I will tell you. And then when he, off, he went off to a barren height and God met him. This just blows my mind. Balaam was not a good guy, selfish, greedy. 
just doing it because he wants the reward. He wants to be rewarded by someone who can give him all of the riches he desires. And you come across these things like verse 4, and God met him. We sometimes don't think that God is for us. We sometimes don't feel that God's presence is with us. We sometimes don't understand the things we go through. But I come across stories like this, and, I, and this is how I pray. God, you're willing to meet this man who isn't even good. And here I am. I'm your son, your daughter, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, brought into the family of God. I am your family. Will you not meet with me? That's why I love these stories in the Bible, because it really displays who God is. God who hates wickedness and God who judges sin, God who does not put up with the things that are wrong, even have stories of King Ahab, who was the most wicked king of all, and he brought idols into the land like it was no big deal. He wanted to worship everything of Satan, everything opposite of God, and still put God in there somewhere. And Ahab was just a wicked man, had a wicked wife, and they just did all the things that were deplorable to God. And yet Ahab humbled himself, and God turned his judgment from Ahab and put it on his son instead. And he even told the prophet, he said, hey, did you see what Ahab did? He humbled himself. God met with him. God met with him. God didn't say a word yet, but God met with him. And Balaam, he must be excited. He says, I, I prepared seven altars, and I need to offer a bull and a ram. I did it. I, I made this happen. This worked. I followed the directions, and it worked. That's not why God was meeting with him, not because of the offering, but because God was interested in his people. He was loving his people, and he stepped into a situation because we see this from Balaam's perspective, but we don't see this from Israelite's perspective. Could you imagine being a part of the Israelite camp, and you're traveling all these years, and God is in the front of you with the cloud and behind and, and, and at night and at night it was the fire and during the day it was the cloud God is leading you you have this tabernacle his presence is there God has been faithful he's been feeding you all this time even though you hate manna you hate it every day God has been faithful and for six days he would provide it and on the seventh day he would on the sixth day he would give you double portions so that you could have it on seven and and it was just so amazing that God was so faithful and here you are as his people saying God all we want to do is follow you. All we want to do is go where you ask us to go. And, and we're going to follow Joshua. And we're going to, because you're with him just like you were with Moses. And we believe, God, that you are with us. Man, thank you so much. Just take us to where you want to go. They're just down there just enjoying their time with God. And they don't even know that off in a distance is a king that wants to destroy them and curse them. 
They don't even, they're not even aware of this. And, and it's just like our lives. You know, we go through our lives and we just live our life and we have fun. You know, school's getting ready to get started here and it's just so exciting that they get to go back and I get a house full of peace and quiet. I mean, it's, they don't even know how excited I am. Maybe they do, because I tell them. But, but you know, they're going to go back to school, and we're going to go back to routine, we're going to go to sporting games, and, and, you know, the only thing I miss about last year is that we didn't have to pay for any of the sporting games, but now we got to pay, and it's like, okay. But I'm just looking forward to the routine. But little do you know that there is an enemy out there that is trying to destroy every single thing that God has promised you. There is an enemy out there that is trying to destroy and corrupt you in every single fashion. Why? So that you don't become a believer in the promises of God, that you don't believe that he is for you, that he desires your heart, that he wants your obedience. All he wants you to do is to fall in love with him. All he wants is your affection, your heart, your love. And we don't, sometimes we get in the routine and we forget that there is an enemy that is trying to destroy us through our hobbies, through our fears, through our worries, through entertainment. All these things trying to distract us from the simple thing of affection with God, to be in love with him. When's the last time you just woke up and said, God, I love you. God, I love you. I mean, I, I said that the other day and I said, Lord, I don't even know how long it's been. That me, the man of the cloth, woke up and said, God, I love you. I remember saying that a couple of days ago and I said, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I get into the routine. I'm sorry that I forget. I'm sorry, God, because my heart is always wanting to wander. But you got to know that there's an enemy trying to destroy those things. And he will corrupt you any way he can. He'll do it from the outside. He'll attack your kids. He'll attack your health. He'll attack your finances. He'll attack all those things that we consider a part of our life. He'll attack you from the inside with your thoughts and your fears and your worries, your concerns, your doubts. All he wants to do is destroy you. Think about this. King Balak didn't know these people. He didn't know these people. And I'm sure the majority of the Israelites were good people, friendly people. It's like when you walk down the street and you are walking into a store and you see a gentleman or a lady and you say, good morning. Good people, just good people. I ran into this guy going to the post office the other day. I said, good morning, how you doing? He said, good, now that I found you. I said, I know, that's usually what people say. You're blessed, go away, you know? No, it's just, it's a common thing to be greeting people. I didn't know him, but he seemed like a nice guy. Good people. Balak didn't care about that. All he cared about was what he wanted to protect, his kingdom, his resources, his people. And he didn't consider the people of God. And I'm just saying that because a lot of times we forget that we have an enemy that wants to destroy us. Jesus told us to think about him quite often. Because when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, Lord, Jesus said, Father, may your name be praised and exalted. May your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive me of my sins and forgive those who sin against me. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from the evil one. He's out to destroy us. Why do you think he was so desperate to get to the beginning of creation, to get into the garden, to get there with Eve and Adam and to destroy them? Why was he so desperate as the book of Revelation shows us that when Jesus was coming into this world, he wanted to be there to destroy him? As a matter of fact, he even used King Herod that went out and killed all the babies that would be around Jesus' age and starts wiping out all these babies. Why? Because he wants to destroy him. And do you think your enemy loves you? Do you think your enemy says, well, I can't mess with these people. They're from Minnesota. They're Minnesota nice. I got to leave them. No, he hates you. He wants to destroy you. And so Balak is so concerned, he hires Balaam. Balaam goes there, and, and for some reason, God meets him. And Balak's, Balaam's all excited because he prepared these altars, and oh, I got this offering, it's great. And the Lord don't care about that. But this is what the Lord says to him, verse 5. The Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, go back to Balak and give him this word. See, I believe there's two ways you can react to God's word. Either God will put it in your heart or you put it in your heart. Because there are times when God will put his word right up and says, this is it. But I want to be someone who receives God's word. Balaam, he was a wicked guy. And God says, no, you're going to say this. And Balaam knew God was serious because God was going to destroy him on the way there with the angel. So Balaam knew that he better do it. And I just, I just, <laughs> I just imagine you're there and God shows up and says, go back to Balak and give him this word. And so Balaam went back and found him and said, standing there besides his offerings with all the Moabite officials. And Balaam spoke his message. Now, I don't believe that Balaam was under possession of God. Because that's not God. God doesn't possess us to make us do something. God doesn't make us do something. He says, you go back with a strong word. But you know what? Balaam could have said anything he wanted. Balaam could have said whatever he wanted. Just like when God tells you, don't do these things. These things aren't good for you. They're not beneficial for you. We still have a choice to do them. And it is our choices that define our relationship with God. I can choose to be honest or I can choose to be dishonest. I can choose to be faithful. I can choose to be unfaithful. I can choose to be a man of integrity or I can choose to be a man of deception. All these things are my choice. And Balaam had a choice, but he knew that God met him. And it must have shook him. And so when he goes to Balak, he says, this is what he says. And he spoke this message in verse 7. Balak brought me from Aram and the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come down, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks, I see them. From the heights, I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations, who 
can count the dust of Jacob or even number or number even the fourth of Israel. Let them die the death of the righteous and may and may my final end be like theirs. Could you imagine what Balak is going, man, I paid you all this money. I promised you all these things. And you're going to come out and tell me that these are God's people. You're going to come out and tell me that they are righteous, that they are set apart, that they are holy to God. Because that's what holiness means, to be set apart. God wants you to be a man of God, a woman of God. All that means is that you don't walk around and you just pretend to be the most pious and holy person. No, you're set apart. You're set apart. You know, when I take my wedding ring off at the gym, I'm still married. Even though the ring is not on my finger, I'm still married. Why? Because I have set my life apart and my wife has set herself apart for each other. Whether it's a ring, whether it's a marriage vow or a piece of paper that says we're legally together, we have been set apart for each other. And God, God put in Balaam's heart to go and speak to, to Balak that these people have been set apart for me. They're mine. Look at how much God loves his people. Look at how much that even though they didn't know what was going on, they didn't know that the destruction of their nation was at hand by a king who wanted to curse them and all of them to die. What would you react? How would you react if you heard God talk about you? You ever think of that? What if you could be a fly on the wall? And you saw Satan enter heaven. And God says, hey, what you've been doing? Oh, I've just been going around. Just checking things out. Have you considered? Have you considered my son, James? Have you thought about my daughter, Doris? Hmm. Let me go check them out. Satan goes and he comes back and he says, oh, I know those people. Oh, no, you don't know because, see, they gave their life to me. They love me. That's my son. That's my daughter. I've set them apart for a reason. I've blessed them. I love them. They're so cool. Man, every day when they wake up, I'm right there. And I'm letting them know that I am their God. And they, if they love and serve me and follow me, I'll be there every step of the way. I love them. They're so cool. I don't understand. I, I, I mean, I would not understand how to react if I could hear God talk about me. How cool will it be? Because see, Israel didn't hear this. This was said to the king. And he says, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed and denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? Oh, I wish I could die like them. They're righteous. They're set apart. They're his. It would make us feel completely different how we look at each other, which brings us back to the verse that Jasmine read this morning, that what we do for the Lord is not in vain. Why? Because he's watching. He sees, he's called, he's set us apart. And everything we do for him is not going to be a failure as long as we keep pursuing and loving him. Why? Because he does not, 
He has not cursed us. He's not denounced us. He's not given up on us. He set us apart for a reason. We are here for a reason. You are here today for a reason. God is with you. Balak is just furious. What have you done? Verse 11. I brought you to curse my enemies, but you've done nothing but bless them. And Balaam said, must I not speak what the Lord puts in my heart? And so again, Balak says, do this again. Please curse them, curse them, curse them. This is the second thing that he spoke. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me. God, verse 19, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he not speak and then not act? Does he not promise and not fulfill? Listen to how God reveals himself through this wicked prophet commanded to speak only what he hears. And this is what he says about God. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a a person that he should change his mind. Does he not speak, then not act? Does he not promise and not fulfill? And this is what I want to just bring attention to us this morning. Is that God has never changed. He is never a God who lies. He's not a God who misleads you. He's not a God who just drags a a relationship on just for his enjoyment. He is in love with you every single moment, every single day. And when he has put a call upon your life, when he has put a purpose upon your life, it is because he has designed you for that reason. And he has called you for that reason. He has enabled you for this moment in time to do what he wants. And he will never change his mind. He will never change his mind about you I think what blows me away is that God called me at the altar when I was 12 years old at the altar God gave me this vision my friend next to me God gave him the same vision this lady from the stage had the same vision and all at once God confirmed that I was called to be here today in ministry at 12 years old and you know what I did I ran from him I don't want to be in the ministry I didn't want nothing to do with God. It, it, it scared me half to death. And I decided I was going to rebel. And I just, I just wanted to do anything except go into ministry. And so I just got into engineering and I got into mechanical engineering and I was good at it. My teachers were impressed with me. I was given projects that, that, that he was supposed to do, but I ended up doing them. And it was for GM and they, they saw it. They hired me and I was working in the engineering department. And I wasn't even out of school yet. This was exciting. And I remember getting my first paycheck and this, this angel came out of nowhere and I'm saying he was an angel because I never saw him never met him but he comes and he places his hand on that check and he says the moment you live off of this you will be here for the rest of your life if you live off of this you will be here for the rest of your life and instantly I remember the altar instantly I remember that God had a call upon my life and I knew this that God never changed his mind even though I rebelled God never changed his mind even though I went into filth and things that were deplorable things that were ungodly God never changed his mind. He says, I called you. I set you apart. You're mine. And on that day, I knew that I had to go into ministry so that I could come here and live with a bunch of heathens who love the Vikings. I knew this. (laughs) See, God never changed his mind. Even when I didn't want anything to do with him, he never changed his mind. So if God never lies and God never changes his mind, then the rest of that verse has to be true. That when he speaks, 
he will fulfill. And when he acts, it will happen. That's why we labor not in vain. That's why we go through life not knowing what's around the corner, but knowing that he's already there. That's why we have faith in God. That's why we hold on to God. I was just talking to my niece just the other day, and I looked at her and I said, you have to believe what God says is true. You have to believe it, no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, no matter what you think. Just believe that God will never change his mind and know that he will act on your behalf. Our labor is not in vain because you are not cursed. You are family. Our labor is not in vain because God will not lie to you. Think about that. There are certain things that God has spoken to me it is probably the clearest as I could ever describe it as like an audible voice, but it wasn't. But it was that clear that I know what God spoke to me. Even, even this morning, God spoke to me to take my family out to lunch. And I said, okay, we'll just go get a 20 piece of nuggets at McDonald's and they can split and I'll get my Big Mac and my wife, she'll fast because, you know, she, she likes to fast. At least that's what I tell myself. And God says, no, 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 no. I want you to take your whole family out to eat. <laughs> Wait a minute, God. We're quite a distance away here. And he said that, why? I don't know why. But I've learned this, that I better do what he asks. I put my faith and confidence. And God has spoken to me, not just those things, but he's spoken to me things that if I told you, you would say it would never happen. But God is not like us. He doesn't lie. And if he has said these things, if he has spoken it, he will act. If he has promised, he will fulfill. So you have to, you have to determine in your heart, am I going to put that kind of faith in God? I say go for it. Whatever promise he has put in your heart, Whatever, whatever dream that he has placed there, whatever he has spoken to you, he will fulfill it. I know it. Have faith in God. Because your labor is not in vain. You will be rewarded. Because he will speak and he will act. He will speak and he will fulfill it. Because he doesn't lie.